Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Thank you for joining us at the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene through our weekly sermon podcast. Download more sermons or learn about the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene at our website, capenazarene.org. Here's this week's message. Today is Christ the King Sunday. It's it's a time of the year in, in the history of the church that we celebrate that Jesus is our Lord, Jesus is King. It is, it is way throughout the history of the church. It's been a Sunday, the Sunday before Advent begins, where we wrap up the church year by testifying of God's primary place in our life, of Jesus Christ and what He will do in our life. And, and the early church is a way for them to, to recognize that of, despite all the kings that might exist and the kings that they might have, that there is one who is King of kings and Lord of lords, and that is Jesus Christ. And so if it was understood that by celebrating Christ as King. If there's ever conflict between the way of the world, if there's ever conflict between what their King told them to do and what Christ calls them to do, that they would obey Christ. And it was a way in which the church helped us remember who we are and to where we belong. Christ the King Sunday is a way of remembering to put God first. And in this day when we don't think about kings very much anymore, unless uh, we're talking about English royalty, maybe. But we don't think about uh, king. We, we don't have them anymore. You know, it is a way in which we remember Christ is first, foremost in our life. That in the same way, then, if there's something in our life that we are realizing is clashing with God's call on our life, that we are to follow the way of Christ and to lift him up as first priority, as king in our life, and to let nothing else stand in the way of God's call for us. I'm going to read for you in a moment from Ezekiel chapter 34. I find ourselves right in the middle of this uh, chapter of this prophet uh, Ezekiel. And this is one of the passages that throughout the history of the church has been one of the traditional passages that, have been sh- that has been shared on Christ the King Sunday, uh, one of about 12 of those passages that is shared. And you'll find yourself recognizing, oh, this is very similar to the passage that Brenda read and has a coherence with it. But it begins, I want to give you just the opening. Ezekiel is warning the people of God about how they've been living. And he uses the most common kind of analogy. He uses that of shepherds and a sheep. In their pastoral economy, this, this made sense. The largest kind of example of one person having rule and reign or control or, 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 or responsibility for another large group would be that of a shepherd and their sheep. They didn't have the same kind of like mega businesses and super industrial complexes that we have today. So we, we can just like just look very easily and find all kinds of businesses that have like a CEO and hundreds or thousands of people underneath them. And uh, so we can get, we can understand that there might be today a different illustration, but before the industrial revolution and before we had, you know, everything as it is today and there kind of the, the shepherd model was the model of one person who has a large number for which they are responsible for. And at the beginning of Ezekiel chapter 34, the prophet speaks out against the shepherds and says, you have been, other prophets of Israel, you have been assigned a sheep, a flock, the people of God to take care of, to nurture, to nourish, to shepherd. 
to watch out for, to give the hope of God to them, to proclaim to them the news that God has for them. But instead, he says to the shepherds, you have been getting fat off of slaughtering the choice sheep and leaving the rest to wander and leaving the rest to starve. And you have just been reaping the benefits of destroying the the good ones and leaving the rest to waste away. And it is this critique of a kind of life, a kind of leadership that says, I'm all about me and I want to take the biggest advantage I can and the most influential people who might get in the way, I'm going to cut their legs out from under them and make sure that they can't do that and then everyone else can just kind of waste away. It's a big critique against some poor leadership that happens and was happening during their time. And in continuing with that illustration of sheep, we will get to the passage I'm going to read for you starting at verse 11. Uh, The prophet Ezekiel continues to talk about the people of God and how God is going to respond and answer their concerns. Verse 11, thus says the Lord God, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As shepherds seek out their flocks when they are among their scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places to which they've been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I'll bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries, will bring them into their own land, and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the water courses and all the inhabited parts of the land. I will feed them with good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel shall be their pasture. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and they shall feed on rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. But the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice. As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, I shall judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture, but you must tread down with your feet the rest of the pasture? When you drink of clear water, must you foul the rest with your feet? Must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet and drink what you have fouled with your feet? Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you pushed with flank and shoulder and butted at all the weak animals with your horns until you scattered them far and wide. I will save my flock, and they shall no longer be ravaged. I will judge between sheep and sheep. I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. You hear this illustration of the sheep, and you can recognize that if, if you lived in that time, if you understood that metaphor, it makes good sense. You, you can find yourself imagining how sheep act, whether they're dancing in the water that others wanted to drink in, whether they're wandering off, whether they're headbutting and trying to create their own corners within their pen or within the field. You can kind of imagine the, the troubles that you would have to navigate or perhaps have seen in that time. And he uses this as an illustration for them about how some in the people of God 
God had been taking advantage of others. And he begins by talking about this and laying out to the shape, I want you to know God is seeking after you. He says uh, at, at the beginning of verse 11, I myself will seek after my sheep. And so we see at the very beginning, God is saying, you've had some bad shepherds who have led you, but I want you to know that I am seeking after you. And that is the beautiful picture of our God is he is always a God who seeks, always a God who is looking for us and how he can penetrate uh, our walls And let us know that he is the God who loves and cares for us. And thinking about God, a conversation I've been having with another lady is uh, who might doubt, well, how can we come to ever think about God or talk about God? After all, if God's so much bigger than I am, then anything I might say is just an analogy, isn't it? Isn't it just a projection of who I am? And the beautiful thing about the story of God is that this God, as big, as infinite as he might be, yes, he would be completely outside the bounds of anything we could possibly say, except for this. Our God has desired to be known. And our God finds ways of breaking into our life and, letting, and reminding us and letting us know, I have a plan, I have a purpose, I love you, I care for you. You are important to me. Sometimes people encounter that through uh, a moment they, they realize they've gotten out of predicament they didn't know they could get out of. Maybe it was an accident. Maybe it was an illness. It was, it was a trial that they saw. They, they, they had power to get through that they didn't expect. And they say, I think God was there with me. Maybe it's in a way, a, a beautiful moment where they just feel particularly close and drawn to God. A morning at a sunset, a time holding a baby, a, a, a time in which they realize I've had, I, I've had a moment where I've just felt incredibly close and felt the peace and comfort of God that knows he's there. But our God continues to seek after, to let us know of a plan and a purpose for you to draw you in. And the ways of the world and the ways of those who want to take advantage are not going to last. You still have purpose. Our God continues to seek and make himself known. And our God will take care of those that the shepherds do not take care of. For he has said, I will fill that role. I will take care of you. And it's interesting that uh, this passage that I read doesn't much mention the shepherds except for the fact that God said, I'm stepping in now. Um, But he talks about the fat sheep and the lean sheep. And this is a way, uh, contrary to maybe how we might think of those terms in the 21st century, this isn't uh, like fat shaming or something like that. This is his way of saying there are those who are malnourished and have nothing. And this is a way for him to say, I want you to see that there is a difference that these sheep, what he says are the large sheep, these are the sheep who are taking after the shepherds that have have been uh, put in charge. The shepherds who have been saying, hey, I'm going to make sure that you know, everything is working the way that I want it to work. And, and I, I feel like this shift in the metaphor to talking about the problem with the fat sheep and the lean sheep is that the larger sheep are modeling their lives after the shepherds, just taking care of themselves. They see that that's how the shepherds worked. 
just leave those who are weak beside. That's how they are. So the illustration says they're muddying up the waters, they're eating the choice food, and they're leaving everything else behind. If I go on a hike and I see a nice creek bed and I need to get across that or skip across that on some stones or whatnot, I can see that and it looks beautiful, it looks wonderful. But if I step through it and it's not rocky, but it has that nice soft kind of silt underneath, as soon as my feet step into that water, it kicks up all that dirt and it's dirty. It no longer looks appetizing. It no longer looks like if I was in a dire need and didn't have a water bottle, I could drink from that. That is the picture he gives of what these sheep are doing as they are taking and taking and taking, getting larger and larger based off of what others are doing. A phrase I used to hear growing up, usually in talking about like, I don't know, early 20th century songs or uh, early 20th century uh, time period, they would say, uh, we call them fat cats. People who are just taking and taking based on what others brought them. Uh, whether they are mobsters or whether they're just business leaders that were corrupt, fat cats, just people who are taking and taking whatever people will bring them and whatever they can take from others. Same story here. There are those who say, oh, what more can I have? And God says, I will be the true shepherd to my sheep and I will speak out and have a place and have a, a, a safe haven for those who have wondered how much longer are we going to be living under these kinds of conditions where it seems like there is nothing left for me. And the judgment that is spoken of here against those sheep, the judgment that is spoken in the gospel passage that Brenda read, is a judgment that brings justice. A judgment that brings justice. It is not just meant to punish. It is not just meant to say, oh, you weren't good enough. You're not good enough. It's a word that brings hope to those who have said, I don't know how much more that I can have taken from me. It's a word of hope to those who say, how are they getting away with this again and again? Ezekiel reminds the people of God who are about to be scattered throughout the exile. When God brings you back, we are not to take on the practices of the world that say more for me and less for you. But we are supposed to be concerned for one another, lifting each other up and making sure our basic needs are taken care of. And so he says to them, I'm going to appoint for you a new shepherd. Someone who's going to model this for you. Someone who's going to actually take care of you. And he calls him the servant David. I'm going to raise up for you the servant David who's going to be your shepherd. And I want to tell you something about David and Ezekiel. Ezekiel comes, this prophet comes hundreds of years after King David actually reigns. And so to say, I'm going to make King David your, your shepherd is a way of saying, I'm going to make someone your shepherd who is like King David. King David in the story of, of Kings and the story of the Chronicles are two different narratives that, that tell how David is, becomes king and, and the legacy that he leads. He's the one who fights off the foreign armies and he's the one who raises up this nation, helps them be who they're supposed to be. People who are following after God helps really solidify and stabilize their nation. He is their hero. He is to Israel what George Washington is to America. Like he is, he is uh, uh, the, the first primary, even though he wasn't their first king, but he is the primary king for their identity. And the Lord says to the prophet, you're going to get one like him. 
one who marks your identity, one who will help you be a people after God's own heart. And now it's interesting that he says he's going to raise up um, a servant like David to come and be their shepherd. Because just earlier in the passage, we read that the Lord God said, I'm going to be your shepherd. It's going to be me. And it reminds me of another passage in Matthew. In the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 22, Jesus is walking with his disciples, and the Pharisees come up to him, and they ask him, and they're talking. There's an exchange there, and they're trying to trap Jesus. And Jesus says to them, well, let let me ask you, uh, who's the Messiah supposed to be? And the Pharisees say, well, the Messiah is going to be a, a son of David. We know this. And Jesus says, well, why is it then that David says in the 110th Psalm, the Lord said to my Lord, sit next to me. And Jesus is pointing out that according to that psalm, it seems like the one sitting at the right hand of God is indeed related to God, is, has some kind of identity with the Lord. And so there's an understanding that the Messiah has an identity with God. And, and I think that this passage in Ezekiel is a passage that is showing us a little bit about the beginning of the understanding of what, who the Messiah was going to be. Uh, we've heard again and again, whenever we talk about the life of Jesus and his fulfillment to the people, that he came as the Messiah to save them, to redeem them. And they were expecting someone to come in and just kick out the Romans. They weren't expecting someone to be as passive as he was. They weren't expecting someone to defeat sin and defeat evil through the cross. They were expecting a sword. And part of that history of expectation of the Messiah comes in passages like this one we've read in Ezekiel chapter 34. God says, I'm going to raise up a shepherd. It's going to come from my servant David, and he's going to take care of you. And they heard this, and they said, like David? Like David? Okay, we're expecting this Messiah. Let's go. Let's do this. But I think just like the 110th Psalm that says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand, I'll make your enemies a footstool. So in the same way, Ezekiel 34, on the one hand, says it's going to be the King David, but it also says... It's going to be the Lord God who is your shepherd. And what we find in Jesus Christ, indeed, is the embodiment of God who has said, I have been seeking after you. I've had a plan and a purpose for you and your life. I have seen you when you've been at your weakest. I've seen you when you've been at your most desperate. I've seen when you didn't know what was going to happen next. And I've been with you and I care for you. And I'm here for you now. Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah for us, and the great shepherd that he has for each and every one of us to guide us as we navigate life. The rest of this uh, chapter in 34 is our verses about a second chance for the people of God. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 34 has just, what we read just showed that, uh, you know, there is, there, there's a place of warning for those who take advantage of others, for those uh, who, have, who have hurt God's people. And there's a word of hope for those who have, who have endured that. But as Ezekiel's prophecy is going to continue and they're going to realize, okay, there's hard times ahead, yet there is a promise of God calling them back together. I'm going to read this just for a moment. Let's, um, I don't have the words for you, so just hear these words. I will make with them a covenant of peace. Banish wild animals from the land, 
so they may live in the wild and sleep in the woods securely. I'll make them and the region around my hill a blessing. I'll send down the showers in their season, and they shall be showers of blessing. The trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield its increase. They shall be secure on their soil, and they shall know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and save them from the hands of those who enslave them. They shall no more be plunder for the nations, nor shall the animals of the land devour them. They shall live in safety, and no one shall make them afraid. I'll provide for them a splendid vegetation so that they shall no more be consumed with hunger in the land and no longer suffer the insults of the nations. They shall know that I, the Lord their God, am with them and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, says the Lord God. You are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, says the Lord God. On this last moment... The words you just heard. They're words of encouragement without qualification. He's giving a second chance to all of his sheep. He's giving a second chance to those who have felt like they've never had a chance in the first place because they've been taken advantage of. He's giving a second chance to those who have said, Oh, but I've made some mistakes. I I haven't walked straight and narrow a good deal of my life. To that, the Lord says, But there is a second chance. There's a future in which all my children are brought together into a promise that God has for us. And what we find in Jesus Christ is indeed the beginning of the promise of eternal life, of freedom from sin, of freedom from its powers, freedom from its temptation to live like the shepherds have taught us. And we've had some pretty pretty shady shepherds. I don't just necessarily mean the church. I, I mean... If I just said politics, you're like, yeah, yeah, we have. <laughs> right? We've had some where we go, yep, they just want to feed themselves. They just want to undercut those who seem to be getting, too, uh, getting in the way. Just want to feed themselves, and everyone else just gets the slim pickings. And sometimes the temptation is, oh, that's how we're supposed to do business. Oh, that's how we're supposed to act. Oh, that's how I get ahead in this world. And, and the Lord says through the prophet Ezekiel, I have a plan for my people in which we live according to the way that the shepherd from the line of David has shown. The way of Jesus. And indeed, all of my people will be brought in and you will be absolutely taken care of. And today I want to say, in light of the prayer requests that have come my way, in light of whatever it is that we might bring to a service, in light of these kinds of moments, hear indeed the word of the Lord from our pastor of Scripture. Our Lord is with you. You are still His chosen. He is your Lord. He is your God. He will stay with you. He has been seeking after you. And we are called to receive His grace, to receive what the Lord Jesus Christ wants to do for each one of us, to recognize who He is as shepherd, as king, as Lord, as first priority in our life, and reap the benefits that the Lord gives and the Lord bestows because of that. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for um, this Sunday where we remember that you are the God who has whispered to each one of us, it does not matter what the past has been, I have a new future for you. You are the God who has come to us and said, I bring forgiveness, I bring redemption. And Heavenly Father, it is just my hope that we would find indeed 
that the past no longer needs to haunt, that the sin no longer needs to enslave, but we can be saved and rescued and we can be given hope and a purpose. Thank you again for this time of remembering that you are the God, the King, the Lord, who doesn't just sit up on high, but is absolutely enamored with each and every one of us and has been seeking us out since the beginning. And so, Lord, help us to uh, walk faithfully to what you have called us to be. May you be glorified in that, and may we find indeed that uh, your justice is being done in this world and that we are looking out for those whom you've called us to look out for. Thank you again for this time. Thank you again uh, for your love and grace in our life. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. We hope this sermon has encouraged you with the gospel of Jesus. More sermons are available online at our website, capenazarene.org. May God richly bless you as you serve him today.